lose, everyone. I'm back, baby. It's Jake C. Lee. I'm great. Everybody else sucks. Oh, huh. oh no. It's every nightmare I've ever had. Excuse me. It's time to check the link. Pretty crazy, huh? But, but it doesn't matter because none of this has anything to do with the show. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. It's all in. Sure, we talk about it all the time. Really? No. Game on, everybody. It's all in sports. Jake Seeley, your host, as always. You're following me at All In Kid, which I assume you know, but you might not because you're coming in from one of the best guys in the business. I consider him a close friend, not just in the business, but in general. One of the best, as I said. It's only the second time on the podcast, but it's too few. There should be more. But he's a busy man, as is the people he works with, which we'll get to in a second. But real quick, just in case you came from him, which is also somewhere where I'll be doing shows this year. Oh, like I said, all that's coming. Uh, go to the athletics slash all in sports to get 40% off if you haven't gone there yet. That's the simple part. Look how quick it's already out of the way. But as mentioned, this person is one of my favorites because he's part of the footballers. I will be doing the DFS show for the footballers this year with Chris Meany and Joe Holko, so you can find me over there. And I'm glad to be, like I said, consider them family, consider them friends, and I consider them now, well, they're co-workers already, kind of in a way. Well, kind of, I guess you're my bosses. It's Jason oh, Moore. I like that. J- yes. you, you, Jason, do you like that you're kind of my boss in a way? Oh, that, that, I mean, that's just fantastic. Yeah, I mean, because we could either be peers or I could be your boss. And so, I mean, certainly that's better. <laughs> That's a, that's the best way to say it. You're, I mean, you're I, my boss peer or peer I boss? I completely view you as a peer, as a as a colleague in the industry, but I would prefer to view you as a subordinate. My, my subordinate. <laughs> my yes, that's right. Oh, uh, and I'm gonna lord that over you as often as I can. But we are we are really excited to have you host the DFS pod. Us being in Arizona, we can't really get into DFS as much as we're into redraft our foot clan we, they love everything about fantasy football and so th- to be able to upgrade that and and give them better content uh, for a wide audience I think it's going to be great for all parties now so if anybody knows me what you just said I took one little piece out of it and I went with the fact that you said upgrade and you mean that I'm better than Mike <laughs> when it comes to DFS <laughs> I'll bet we would all say that's true <laughs> But by the way, speaking of which, again, if you're not following Jason, follow him at JasonFFL, which by the way, I don't know if you know this, Jason, you're leading the three of you guys in the chase for 100,000 followers. Okay. I don't know if you know this, Jake, but we are the most hyper-competitive individuals on the planet. We literally have a wall-mounted television above our whiteboard that tracks our Twitter followers next to each other. So yeah, (laughs) we're, we're well aware I'm leading the pack over here. By a thousand, right? Just about a thousand yeah, or so. Little, little under, but I should, barring some unforeseen media exposure for one of those other two hoodlums, I should hit the one hundred thousand followers first. Can, can you just help me get to sixty? Is that is that sure. possible? Yeah. Everyone, that- follow Jake Seeley at All In Kid <laughs> from the show that you're already listening to. I appreciate it. But by the I way, you're listening that aren't following us. That is true. They, if you retweet this at least once, I'm already going to probably get a 50 percent increase in listenership. Are you are you sad? Are you sad that that's true? No, uh, I'm proud. I'm proud that that's true. <laughs> by the way, you talk about the competition stuff. I'm still mad about the shuffleboard game. I just want oh. you to know that. You got to let it go because if you're mad about that, that means you would want a rematch and then you'll just get 
more and more and more upset at at how your life is getting away no, no, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> we get a rematch get the warm-up on that damn table just coming in cold you didn't even let me like get my few pitches in like out of the bullpen it was just all right let's go i i, yeah, we're, I, I we're all about winning here so you know we're gonna take every measure necessary Speaking of other things, real quick before we get to football, which is probably all anybody tuned in for, but if they know us by now, this is kind of what we have to do. Um, so I know you're big into chores. If anybody doesn't know that <laughs> with your shirt, did, did were you the one that told me about the Cinnamon Toast Crunch Churro cereal? Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure I was. I mean, the since the day it came out, I have pretty much had someone tag me with, "Did you know about this?" Every <laughs> single day of my life yeah no i'm a very big fan of churros but have you had it yeah oh yeah i've had it okay i've had it, it it's it's good i mean there's, there's nothing okay. wrong with it but it's not a it's not a churro it's just a different shaped cinnamon toast crunch piece right and it's not as amazing as i thought it was going to be for the biggest reason what i found out is between if you compare the two cereals my biggest complaint is the stuff falls off the pieces better like more often like it, the cinnamon sugar whatever you want to call it it falls off more than it does in the other brand yeah i mean it falls off both brands pretty pretty hardcore but then you just get delicious milk at the end that is true and one real quick other one i don't know if you've had have you ever had those craves the ones that have like the filling in them i actually love those those are have so you, good have you had the cinnamon sugar with the chocolate in the middle what there's a you, cinnamon sugar with no, chocolate. I, I, I have had uh several different craves I don't, i'm not sure if i've had that but i am a huge fan i can't believe the magic they made with that cereal all right, well, you, that's on you now. Now you, you need to go get the cinnamon sugar crave with the chalk in the middle because it's so super delicious that you could just, you pretty much, and it's soft, you could eat it straight out of the box, like just mm -hmm. by the handful. And I will. <laughs> and you will. <laughs> All right, so let's talk fancy football. That's, that's what we're here for, right? I think. Yes, sir. I assume. All right, so real quick before, we, and I, I guess it's not even going to be real quick, but before we get into everything else, because this is the first week, this is the first week of the season, we're not going to do a lot start sit type of stuff. We're like, like, look, we're going to do that. You're going to do that on your own shows. I'm going to do that on my stuff. I want to talk to you about strategy because a lot of people, we're going to a brand new year, probably a couple of brand new listeners for both of us, brand new people in fantasy football, or just maybe inexperienced. So I want to talk strategy stuff. And the first one off the top is you hear it every single year, Jason. I'm pretty sure if I'm guessing, it's probably even come out of your mouth is the quote unquote, always start your studs. Now, some people drafted two months ago. Some people just drafted last week. There's the first four or five rounds that you consider, quote unquote, your studs. Is, is that a hold and fast, true statement to you? Is there some scenarios where you sell? Well, maybe. I mean, yeah, Aaron Jones is a stud, but it is the Bears. It is opening night. Like, is there any scenario where the start your studs doesn't come into play for you? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it depends on your definition, but there are areas that it doesn't come into play. I mean, you know, people drafted Jacksonville to be a stud defense. Obviously, they're not a top four pick. They were probably one of your last two rounds, um, but they drafted them probably second or third, and they play Kansas City week one. Are you going to start the Jacksonville Jaguars against Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid in that offense? I mean, you, you could. It could work out, but that's not a team that I'm excited to start. And then, you know, if you go in up at the top, uh, you know, the the – the real studs, those first two round picks where it's like, what matchup are you worried about? Maybe there's a situation where you drafted great, you have better depth, and you might play a guy that you got later in a draft like uh, Mark Ingram over someone you took early like Joe Mixon, who's going on the road uh, you know, against Seattle's defense. 
things like that, you know, that, that could happen. I, I don't do hard and fast rules with a broad brush stroke that, that is, you know, we always say stay water here. But for the most part, the reason you drafted guys early is because they're better than players later. So, yeah, you're, you're usually if – you're, if you're curious, if there's a tie situation for you, go with the guy that you expected to have the better year. Okay, so then let's uh, give it for instance that you said the first two rounds that if you had that Joe Mixon versus Mark Ingram scenario, would you go Mark Ingram? I know I said we just weren't going to do starts and sits, but yeah, we can do whatever we want. Oh, that is true. I mean, as yeah, you know, I worry, I worry a lot about the the Joe Mixon matchup. I think right now, if I had to make that decision, I would put Mark Ingram in ahead of Joe Mixon. You've got a team that is probable to win and win big in Baltimore versus a team that is probable to lose and lose big. The comforting thing with Joe Mixon is he's a great pass catching back. So, you know, when and if they're down, I believe Vegas has Seattle with the largest gap this week uh, favored by 10 points. Um, That won't completely obliterate Joe Mixon. They'll use him in the passing game, but that's where you'll see a little bit more Gio Bernard and where there will be fewer touchdown opportunities, whereas, you know, Mark Ingram could be running out the clock in the fourth quarter, just pounding yard after yard. What about, how about this one? Any, 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 any chance that you ever sit Tyreek Hill? Because he's going against Jalen Ramsey in those Jaguars. Like, if you had, hmm, here, how about if you drafted so deep that you have Tyler Lockett in the, this is go back to the Cincinnati game, Tyler Lockett, you could, your Tyler Lockett's on your bench and you could start him for T- Tyreek Hill. No, I'm, I'm still, I'm still going to go Tyler, uh, Tyreek Hill. I mean, uh, Tyreek right now is super duper early in the week, but you know, he's, I think my wide receiver six, there's just about no situation where I'm not starting him. You know, you put the best against the best, and the offensive side's usually going to win. Right. I actually have him eight. Why do you love Tyreek Hill so much? Why do I hate him so much? Should we ask everybody? Because <laughs> of the speed, man. <laughs> the speed. All right. So let's go another step into this. And again, you know, this might depend on when you drafted. There you could be in situations where you weren't expecting. Hey, a couple of weeks ago, you drafted a lot of Colts players. You felt a lot better than you did today, not knowing that Andrew Luck was going to call it quits. Or, you know, just last week, Damian Williams, and then all of a sudden, LeSean McCoy pops up. If you're looking at needing to make trades, are you one of the ones that says, you know what, I'm going to wait at least two weeks to see how it goes? Or are you somebody that immediately after the draft is over, you're looking for opportunities to either sell high or buy low, depending? Well, I mean, if you can if you can make trades for good value before the season starts, why not do that? Um, you know, if you do it afterwards, there's certain obviously it's player by player, right? You've right. you drafted Marlon Mack to be something that he's probably not going to be. You're not going to be able to trade him for what he was going to be with Luck, so he's probably someone you have to hold. the The one situation where I do actively have a strategy of I like preseason trading is the two-for-one upgrades of your stars. Because week one waiver wire is exceptionally important. It's, you know, it's a free-for-all of, of mass hysteria. And usually, if you are good at fantasy, you, you've drafted a solid team, you've got depth on your bench that you like that probably worked, or at least you might want to continue to hold on to. So when you can do a two-for-one trade where you're trading 
two decent players to significantly and obviously upgrade one of your starters. Yes, you hurt yourself on the bench depth. You know, you'll grab someone off of waivers right now that you might not be super excited about, but that just gives you that roster spot to be able to cut on week one waivers. I, I like having an expendable roster spot going into week one. There are there have been weeks in or years in the past where I've gone into week one and really wanted to play the waiver wire, but functionally just have not been able to. Right. And at that point, it's too late to do the two-for-one trades as easily because most people are looking ahead to the waiver wire once that week is is done. So, um, yeah, now's the time. Yeah, it's kind of like with the Redskins and like, hey, well, we're fielding offers for Josh Doxson. Uh, the waivers came and we dropped him. Like, that's, like it's, that's what happens in your leagues. I, I love that point because I'm with you on the same thing is that I've been getting my waiver columns out. And I've been getting questions like, should I drop Darwin Thompson for Dare Agumbawale, uh, uh, the goon? And, you know, as it stands today, I, I think I might, but to your point, if you had a two for one, you wouldn't have to make that decision. You could free up that spot and just go pick up the other guy. So uh, I'm with you and I love that. The other side of the year, I'll give you, for instance, real quick on the sell high, buy low type of situation. Devin Singletary. I got questions where people are saying I can trade Devin Singletary for Chris Godwin and Tyler Lockett. Something that high. You're, you're doing that immediately, right? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I believe in Devin Singletary. I think he could be great, but whenever you can trade someone for the return of <laughs> the hopeful nature like let's say Devin Singletary ends up being a, a solid back for Buffalo he gets the majority of work then a trade for Tyler Lockett or Chris Godwin would would be a pretty fair trade maybe maybe Devin Singletary might be even better than those players but it would still be a fair trade right but what if he doesn't if you're trading at at his peak value then always take advantage of those situations because if you know you 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 win either way even if he explodes you got good value if he doesn't explode you got great value all right so talking about the waivers let's talk about it in general is that and that's another strategy situation is are you aggressive early or are you trying to save for when the perfect example last year a Damian Williams might pop up because you can argue both ways you can argue hey if you get somebody early you're getting them for 13 or 14 weeks so you get somebody in week 12 yeah okay that's great it maybe is a Damian Williams but you get them for three or four on the flip side is like hey if you waited that long you're the one getting Damian Williams while everybody else has already spent all their money so I know it can always be relative, but do you lean one way or the other? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it is very relative in the sense that when you get guys early in the season, not only do you get them longer, but you get victories that, you know, you, as, when you start in a lead, when you start uh, your, your, vic, your, your season by, you know, with, with, with wins, you know, you just start, like, if you can buy a win, manufacture a win, manufacture another one, week after week, you you get in the playoffs that way it could just be too late you could get Damian Williams late and miss the playoffs and so it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> even matter so I'm I'm much more on you got to win now at the beginning of the year um and 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 it's not to say that if you get off to a bad start start zero and four that you can't come back you certainly can we help people do that every single year but we say the value of those victories early on it, it matters it, it pays for itself in your waiver priority or in your fab dollars spent. You get them longer. I mean, you know, you'd rather have had Philip Lindsay and gotten to the playoffs than gotten Damian Williams and missed the playoffs because you had the money to save. Now, the one thing I would say is I do have my, I do have a cap 
like if assuming a fab system, the free agent acquisition budget, if you're playing that system, I'll, I'll spend pretty frivolously early on in the season, but to a point. And then when I get to whatever it is, it's, it's arbitrary. So I'll just call it $5, $6 or whatever. At right. that point, when I get to there, I'm, I'm at zero. I will not spend another dollar on anyone, even if there's just, oh, this one's so juicy, because I have to have a few dollars for the playoff run. Because so many people, once you get in the playoffs, they will be out of money, and that single dollar is worth so much more because they need a tight end. They've got to pick one up. There's a clear tight end to pick up, and you could snag them away from your opponent for a dollar or keep a defense away. Um, I, I just I really want, like, at least $5 going into uh, the playoffs. But up until that camp, I'm, I'm, I just want the best players as soon as I can have them. By the way, just so you know, this is actually a second A of FAB free show. We just do free agent budget because FAAB is actually FOB, like SOB. So just so you know, I, I'm trying to get that changed. You try as you might, you'll never get it changed. It's still <laughs> pronounced FAB. It's fab with one A. That's it. Like fab, like tabs, soda. Like exactly. That's my point. And the second A is redundant anyway. Free agent budget. Like everybody knows what that is. You don't have to say free agent awkward. I'm not. You didn't come up with this. I'm not coming after you. I'm just coming after the industry of changing it. So in any case, look. Get on my, I, I, get on my I, bandwagon. I can stand behind that. That is a change for the better of fantasy. But in the meantime, <laughs> I know what it is, and it's still pronounced fab. <laughs> all right so let's talk matchups because now the reason i'm talking about all these things obviously like i said we're heading to the season but it's stuff i feel like i write about every single year because people always ask the same questions about these every single year and i'm going to reference this so kudos to you jason of being on this show you get probably what's going to be my most referenced show for people to go back to so yay thumbs up for you awesome. is the matchups and people always say this like i'm facing Matthew Stafford, so I got to put in Marvin Jones, right? Because I cancel his guy out. And, well, we own Packers, so I want to cancel him out or whatever. I have him the stance that I never look at my opponent. I set my best lineup, period, the end, end of story, nothing else. Do you ever look at your opponent? Because I can guess there is one slight where if, if it's a tie break, like maybe, you know, he does own Aaron Rodgers and you know, you know oh, I was thinking of starting Geronimo Allison or Miles Boykin. I'll start Allison because he had like, maybe if it's a tie break scenario, but otherwise I just don't even look at the other guy's lineup because I'm just starting my best guys. Yeah. I mean, I, I will take their lineup into account on a regular basis. There are certain reasons similar to roster construction in the draft. There's a lineup construction that matters. Um, you know, if you are a dominant player going up against a, a weak team, I'm going to play my safer options. I, I'm going to go that for the guys sense. that are my floor plays that I know they're going to get the job done. They're going to get me 10, 11 points. Maybe they won't explode, but this is an easy opponent to hit, uh, you know, to, to beat. His roster doesn't look good, so I'm going to play my safe roster. I'm going to put Deshaun Jackson out there when I'm going up against the guy who's leading the league in points scored and try to stack him with my Carson Wentz as opposed to playing someone that's maybe a little safer, but I, I need the points this week. That's more the, the strategy I do. I don't really, I mean, maybe a tiebreaker playing a wide receiver on my roster versus quarterback on their roster, um, which is the, the way you want to do it. A lot of times people say, oh, they've got um, Odell Beckham, so should I, should I play Baker or whatever? But the wide receiver scores more points every, than the quarterback every single time that 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 those two players are involved 
So uh, for the most part, it's more about ceiling versus floor based on opponent's overall team versus a specific, I've got this guy, they've got that guy. I mean, <clears throat> there are certain times. And, and maybe with uh, streaming my defense. You know, if, well, if, right. if there's two good defenses to pick up off the waiver wire <clears throat> and based on my opponent's roster, it looks like, well, if this guy does good, my defense will suck. I, I, might, uh, I might pivot. Okay, so like that kind of ties into the next part about the boom and bust op- options. You're kind of you already mentioned it and kind of got into it, but for your own roster's sake, if you're looking at and you know maybe because of buys or whatever the situation might be, you have a volatile RB two, and you also your wide receiver two is volatile. Are you just going to say, you know what, screw it, I'm just going to build my entire lineup of upside and just hope for the best, or do you try to balance in a few safe options to say, you know what? I, I need that balance between the two. Uh, ignoring this is obviously separate from the previous question, but it still ties in in a way. Yeah, I, I think this starts in the draft. Um, when you're constructing your roster in the draft, hopefully you did that. You you did the balance approach where you you got some guys that you swung for the fences on. Maybe they won't work out, but they could just be monster plays. But you also you know paired them with some really safe floors so that you've got a good core to your roster. But once the draft season is over and you've got this roster that is hopefully uh, has a core of safe players, usually on a week by week, like let's say I'm not going up, well, let's say it's week one and everybody's roster looks the same in the week. Uh, so I don't know if he's great, if he's going to lead the league and, you know, points four or if he's not, I'm still going to go for my ceiling because usually on a week, you know, certain players hit and you you know you look at go back and look at years past a week you know week by week and see the teams that win they usually score a lot of points it makes sense so <laughs> I'm going to try to put in my highest roster all things considered over a safe roster even though at the draft I'm drafting safer players because that's more on a season long approach I'm drafting safer players in the draft on a weekly basis, I'm going for my peak. I'm trying to get the most points I can when it comes to my start-sit start, decisions. Okay, so the last part of strategy kind of ties into that as well, and that's something that I've always been team – like, or actually, like, ban terrible benches. Like, I, I had another hashtag. I love banning things. You know that. Is I'm never going to own Frank Gore. I'm never going to own – uh, I'm trying to think of another one that would fall, like a wide receiver that would probably fall into that range. A, a non-healthy Marquise. Yeah, yeah, Carlos Hyde or a non-healthy Marquise Lee or Michael Tra- Crabtree. Now that he's with the Cardinals, just because where's the upside? And I hate when people say, well, I'll use him on my buy. If that's what you're using your bench for is like week seven for that one time, in my opinion, Jason, stop. Like, d- don't. You want... Paris Campbell, who uh, even with Jacoby Brissett could still possibly break out and turn into a wide receiver too. Or to go back to running backs, I'd rather stash the goon or another, you know, Raquel Armstead in case Leonard Fournette gets hurt. I'm not filling up my bench basically with Frank Gores of the world just so I have somebody once the buy rolls around. Because the other part of that, Jason, too, is by the time the buys do roll around, there'll be people on the waiver wire to go pick up anyway. Yeah, I certainly don't play for a, a bye week. And in general, I like, you know, what you're saying. But what you're saying is I don't want players who are going to be crappy all season. But nobody <laughs> nobody does. Well, right, but like, you understand. Everyone's trying to get their best players. It's just a matter of do you believe. Like, I don't believe Paris Campbell has a shot to be a great player. I, I mean, 
the reason we can say, yeah, he does is because we haven't seen it. It's just the unknown, right? Right. The unknown right. is always sexy. Maybe there's this magic. But, you know, the, the reality is we're just trying to put the best players we can on our bench. What, what really matters is I don't want players who aren't going to crack the roster, you know, even when, you know, Frank Gore is a perfect example, a guy that's going to go out, get a couple points every single week, but when would I choose to start him over other players? Um, Here's I, the I'm, best way. How about this, Jason? This is what I was going to say. If you, th- if you were playing best ball, and the likelihood of him ever getting into your best score for the week lineup exactly. is one out of 10, then he doesn't deserve to be on your roster. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, the only exception I would make for that, those players do have a place in super deep leagues. You know, if, if you're in a 14, 16-team league with two flexes, then those Frank Gores are going to get in that roster. And, and you know, but other than that, which very few people are playing in, in those right. type of leagues I would agree you 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 want at least the hope of a ceiling and so we might disagree on each player's hope for a ceiling but but you should yourself believe this guy could do special things exactly exactly that's a really good way of looking at it and you know Paris Camel might not be the best but to your point you know it's just finding those kind of guys all right so let, let us talk strategy from the player perspective it is week one there are some questions out there now by the time this podcast rolls out and people listen to it maybe even a day later the Zeke situation might be taken care of. But we can look at it from two different angles, Jason. Is let's, let's start with the first one. Let's, start, let's say Zeke signs. Let's say Zeke signs Wednesday. Let's say he's out there or whatever. By the fact that he hasn't been there for the entire preseason, he's been spending time in Cabo, we assume he's in shape. But all that being said, he's probably not getting 25 touches. Like, I know he's a must start, but is he a must start with a line? Like, does he draw a line somewhere around... 15 and you know maybe if you went I don't know uh Sony Michelle Le'Veon Bell and you got that kind of maybe you could find a spot where you would actually sit Zeke or is it just he's in my lineup I don't care he's signed he's on the team he's out there yeah if he's out there there's no chance in in the world in the universe that I would not play him I if he comes out and is limited and only gets 10 touches and looks a little slow week one, I'm fine taking my lumps and saying I was wrong. I'm not saying that that world doesn't exist or the possibility, you know, just couldn't happen. I mean, we've seen that happen before with Le'Veon Bell, right? Le'Veon Bell in 2017, he held out a long while, and then he came back week one. He got 10 carries for 32 yards. So certainly – within the realm of possibility. And he went on to dominate that year, 321 carries, 1,300 yards. Um, But the reality is it's very difficult. Let's say this contract comes through and it's what the rumored $90 million (laughs) six-year deal. They're not paying that to not play the man. And they're playing against the New York Giants. And I think, you know, they're, uh, they're at home. Yeah, I'm I'm playing Zeke 100 out of 100 lineups. Okay, fair enough. So let's say the deal doesn't get done and it's dragging into week one, possibly even week two. But anyway, we only care about week one. Tony Pollard, we've heard both sides of it. We've heard the, hey, look how good he looks in the preseason. And the even argument of, well, similar to Damian Williams on the Chiefs, you don't even have to be that good of a running back if you're on the right team. You can be behind an amazing offensive line and in a good offense like Tony Pollard is and look good in the preseason. But then you have the counter argument, which has been, 
Tony Pollard couldn't be the starter in college. Tony Pollard never had barely over 100 carries in a season in college. He's never been the lead guy, despite opportunities to be the lead guy. So if Zeke is out, again, this might not matter. It might be a moot point. But if he is out, do you start Tony Pollard? Is he an automatic RB2? Or are those college considerations and concerns in your mind? Yeah, no, he's an automatic top 15 running back on the week. If, you know, the aforementioned Joe Mixon, right? You, you've got Joe Mixon, you've got Tony Pollard. I would play Pollard if Zeke was out because we have enough history of Zeke not playing games, not for injury, but for holdout or suspension. And whoever steps in those shoes has been a dominant fantasy option. Alfred Morris. <laughs> exactly. Alfred Morris putting up monster points. And this is a guy who can catch the ball, who's been – Right now in training camp and preseason, he's had the role he's experienced right now. Uh, he's ready for it. And so I would put him in almost all lineups unless you just had an unbelievable draft and you've got a couple studs ahead of him. But, uh, yeah, if, if Zeke wasn't there, I have no fears about starting Tony Pollard. Okay. So one situation we do know, Melvin Gordon is not showing up for week one. That's already yeah. set in stone. We know, we know that. And Melvin Gordon might be out for or the full – yeah, it, might, it might be the 10 games. It might be the full 10 games. So we know. We know it's Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson. Sounds like most, or at least I'm on the same page as what the reports sound like the majority of it's going to be a split backfield leaning towards Austin Eckler. But do you have a different opinion? Do you think Austin Eckler could take the majority into the 70% range? If it is a split, in your opinion, is Eckler the must-start and a guaranteed must-start in Jackson, like RB3 play? How are you handling this situation where we at least know that the lead guy, Melvin Gordon, is out? Yeah, I think Eckler's a great play. He He's going to be awesome. I don't think he's going to ever approach 70%. He's not built for that kind of work. Uh, Justin Jackson, it'll it'll be a one-two punch. We've seen that before when Gordon missed games last year. Both were involved, but Eckler should be the, uh, the the higher fantasy producer, not necessarily the better value since you were getting Josh uh, Justin Jackson so late in, in drafts. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, Austin Eckler right now, he's in my top 20 at running back for this week. Um, I, I think he's, you know, he's at home in a favored matchup. Everything looks pretty pretty good. I, not to say that Indy is a uh, is a pushover on defense, but just Vegas no. all Vegas spreads. You know they're favored to win at home at running back. Does the recent offensive line reports kind of concern you at all? Yeah, I mean a, a little bit. You, you know the reason that Tony Pollard is so <laughs> go ahead <laughs> guns a blazing is because the offensive line. The reason Joe Mixon is worrisome is because of the offensive, the offensive line. You have. <laughs> that into account but it's always helpful when they are a good pass catcher as well in those situations because sometimes the best way to beat a pass rush is just to let them through leak the ball right over the line pick up some yards and this is a team and a system that's been together Philip Rivers is a vet you know I, I don't think he's going to be ill prepared uh, for this NFL season at this point in his career no, he's just going to scream and yell at everybody if things aren't going right. We oh, I hate his face. I love <laughs> Philip Rivers, but I can't stand his. He is the number one. I mean, he just whines. He could throw the ball into the dirt 20 yards away from someone, and he will squint at them and cock his head like, what? You didn't run the right route. <laughs> but I do like Philip Rivers, the man. 
<laughs> the film, the man, also the fantasy player. Do you like the, the, the man, the fantasy player? Hate the face. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't really love him for fantasy on a on a season long basis. There are certain matchups, certain weeks where you could expect you know a shootout. Where I, I'm fine with him. He, he's one of those guys where at the end of the year he might finish as a quarterback one or very close to it, top fifteen. But through the season, he was just consistent. Never had those like, oh, he's the thirtieth quarterback this week performances that drag him down. But right. is, isn't one of those guys that often is in the top six or eight at the quarterback position. So he wasn't really helping you on a weekly basis. It just kind of always hovers around that 13, 14 kind of, yeah, yeah, okay, it's fine. You know what? You, you made me think of, I wonder if we could do like a top five worst faces in football. <laughs> oh, man. Like yeah. like for me, the one Bill I always, Rivers, he's not. Aaron no, Rodgers. Oh, you know, Aaron Rodgers. Well, then that, we're kind of focusing on stink faces. The one I was going to say, he's not even football anymore, was Jimmy Clausen because I feel like, like God took his facial features and forgot to spread them out across his face. Like yeah, the- <laughs> you can say that about Brandon Whedon too. <laughs> that is true. Brandon Whedon's on the list too. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Who else has a, like a really angry stick? Oh, the Eli Manning dope oh, face. Oh yeah, I mean Eli Manning's whiny face is is you know it's it's the goat. What on top of it too is he does that shoulder shrug. If you've ever watched too, it's I don't know. Like he he always acts like his pads have shifted forward, and he does like this whole like I got to get my pads back in place. Like oh my makes god, makes him I'm terrible. look like a little kid to me too. Like yeah. he's like this pouting child. <laughs> oh, I think we just did a top five, and they're all quarterbacks. But anyway, all right, let's they're continue. The faces we see the most, you know. It's like <laughs> they're the, how many faces of running backs do you see through a game? Not not many. Or like defensive linemen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about a situation that's frustrating everybody because the Damian Williams, LaShawn McCoy, I kind of touched on a little bit earlier, but this has been because I mentioned Darwin Thompson. I think Damian Williams owners were fine and happy. Carlos Hyde was released. And then they just jumped off every local bridge they could find because LaShawn McCoy came into town. Andy Reid has said that both have starting ability that LaShawn McCoy, though at the same time, does need to relearn the offense because it's not exactly the same as what he ran in the Eagles. So where are you on this? Is it at least we're okay in the short term until LaShawn McCoy gets acclimated? Are you on team LaShawn McCoy is just going to be Carlos Hyde's touches, which still means Damian Williams is a high-end RB2, borderline RB1? Or are you just full-on panic mode like the people who are jumping off bridges and like, oh my God, Damian Williams is now an RB3. LaShawn McCoy might actually even be better than him. I, you know, so when the news first broke, I was pretty confident that Shady's not coming in to be the backup, um, you know, getting paid what he was paid, um, which isn't I- any exorbitant amount, but, you know, twice the guaranteed money that Damian Williams had in half the time. But that's pretty much near what Carlos Hyde got. The issue is there's not a lot of running volume, despite the successful nature of the fantasy points coming from the position. They don't have a lot of carries out of the backfield. And when you bring in a guy like Shady, who's not going to just sit on the bench and you split those reps, I think they just hurt each other more than anything. Uh, to start the season, week one, week two, I think Damian Williams is fairly safe. I don't think Shady's going to come in and just have an equal carry count with Damian Williams from week one. On the season, I did end up statting Shady with more uh, rushing attempts than Damian Williams. I mean, Damian Williams is, you know, he's never had more than 50 rushing attempts in his career. And um, so I, you know, but that being said, I have Damian Williams ahead of Shady in fantasy points because he's probably going to get more of the passing game work. That's where more of the fantasy production 
seems to come for this offensive system. Week one, I'm not too worried about Shady. I'm more worried about the fact that it's the Jacksonville Jaguars defense. <laughs> um, you know, so it's it's not good. I mean, look, if you drafted Damian Williams, he 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 took a major hit. I don't think you know he was a guy that if he played 16 games, and got the role. He's thought you know he's in conversation for a top five back. And right. he was locked and loaded as a top 15 back. Right now, I've got him I've got him as like a low end two, maybe a high end three, shady a little bit behind him. There will be production, but it's going to be hard to, to trust. It's going to be hard to know who it is on a weekly basis. Uh, shady will vulture some touchdowns, or, or maybe Damian Williams will vulture touchdowns, depending on who you believe is the, the, the starter. So I think that also within what you're saying, if my assumption is correct, is this is a scenario where we kind of throw out, well, Andy Reid's always been a use one guy the most, not necessarily bell count, what people would normally think of 20 carries, but 20 touches. And it, like you go back and Damian Williams would probably have been like 14 carries, six receptions per game. But because it's LaShawn McCoy, because it is this scenario, this is the first season in a while where we might see a complete timeshare. Yeah, I I think you might see a a uh, much more significant split than what you're used to with Andy Reid. Andy Reid is one of the smartest coaches out there. I like the fact that he's always pretty much used a single back in most scenarios so that, you know, the defense doesn't know this is a pass, this is a run. But now he's got two guys that can do both. And I think he can keep them fresh. And, you know, Damian Williams is a guy who was just dealing with injury and has never had a workload and proven that he can take that. Now you've got a guy that he, that Andy Reid has worked with for years in the past to great success who looked like he actually had some juice this preseason. You know, early in the offseason, I was completely out on Shady. Yeah. I just wasn't going to touch him. He's 31 years old. He's so far behind. The, the carry count that you normally worry about with running backs, but he, he looked like he still had something left to give. And now you put that with Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm fine taking Shady late in drafts um, and, and hope that he does end up with more of the value. All right, so now uh, you're ready for this, Jason. I'm going to give you a Twitter question. And oh. it's my it's my question, but I'm phrasing it like I'm on Twitter, like I'm coming as one of your 96,000 followers, okay? This is this is because there's no context, which is the best part about Twitter. Should I drop Darwin Thompson? Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> Darwin Thompson has just a much more difficult road to break in um, before he was a guy who – could have that number two role, that shady role, and should an injury happen, be able to take over as a bell cow, he was definitely worth having. But at this point now, if an injury happens, then he gets to split work. So I don't think your upside is really there um, to justify having him on your roster right now. So, yeah, I mean, for me, uh, I would rather – there's just a lot of players I like that well, are – Let's go to the one from before. Would you rather own the goon or Darwin Thompson? Between those two, I would probably rather own – I want to say Darwin Thompson so bad just because <laughs> Dari and Peyton and uh, Rojo, I just really don't believe that there's going to be any fantasy value to that backfield whatsoever. You've got a terrible defense. They're going to be trailing. I think this is going to be a team that just abandons the run early and often, all season long, 
And so And the pass catching yeah. running back is the goon. Yeah, I mean yeah, may, maybe. I mean, I I, <laughs> I get I get the thought there. Um but I mean, here's the thing about a goon to Wale. He he Call him the goon. Do the it. goon. Uh thank you. Here, here's the <laughs> he's he's not a rookie. He's not in his second year. He's barely he's been in the league for quite you know, I I think this is his third year in the league. He's barely cracked any games because he's not that great of a player. And, you know, his athletic profile, I think he's a 16th percentile athlete. So while there are reports from local uh, reporters saying he's the guy that's looked the best, well, the, the competition is garbage. You're talking about Peyton Barber <laughs> and Ronald Jones. I mean, yeah, he, he probably does look the best, but I just don't think he's going to be a good enough NFL running back. I don't think anybody there – like. Uh, Mike and Andy, uh, they have in multiple leagues, they've grabbed Peyton Barber. I totally get it. Peyton Barber's the starter, and he's super late. He's he's a running back, so you've got to grab him. But I, he's a guy that I didn't want to touch. Every draft when he was falling super duper late, I'm just like, I don't want to have him because I don't want to be tempted to start him. You know, <laughs> you, you know what I said this entire time, Jason? What's that? I said, I said even if Peyton Barber wins the job, you still lose. Right, because he had the job last year, and Tampa was a great offense last year. Say what you want about their overall team, but they for, for fantasy, their offensive metrics were great. And Peyton didn't have any relevance. He didn't help anyone win games on a regular basis. He had a couple games that were okay through the course of the season. Nobody started him for those games specifically, and now he's splitting with Ronald Jones Moore and the Goon. Yeah. All right. Two more before we get you out of here. Uh, one is let's go back to these Bengals. I don't. I don't know how we turn out talking so much about the Bengals in this show, but the Bengals situation right now: no AJ Green, still in a walking boot. That's we know that. But the question now is: is there anybody? And not Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon, we covered the passing game. Like we're starting Tyler Boyd. Pretty much, it's going to be hard not to start Tyler Boyd if you own him at this point because he's the number one option, and he showed. Plenty of times last year that he has value, even without being the number one. But it's after him. It's John Ross isn't 100%. Willis is the starter for week one because John Ross isn't 100%. Tyler Eifert actually is 100% as of today for how long that lasts. Is there anybody outside of Boyd? Are you just, it's Boyd and Mixon and forget the entire rest of this offense? Yeah, that's 100% what it is. And, you know, I, while I, I do think Tyler Boyd should be fine, especially in the, you know, in while AJ Green is gone and when he's back, but Boyd is Boyd will be okay. There are certain matchups that are going to be more difficult. I think Seattle's got a great defense. Their defensive line is about to destroy Andy Dalton. Um <laughs> some of the some of the play this season from Dalton in preseason and his backup says, I wouldn't be shocked if halfway through the year you're talking about a quarterback change. So I I worry about all of the Bengals um, pretty much across the board. I I love Tyler Boyd coming out of college. I remember arguing with uh, Matt Harmon on our show once because you know he's he's the wide receiver whisperer, and I was like, this guy's good, and uh, I stood alone. And so now it's weird for me to be talking kind of against Tyler Boyd. But I mean, man, if you're a defense, you telling me you can't double Tyler Boyd? and let the rest of these no-name guys fail on their own? Like, you know, it's 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 one of those offenses where, you know, it's not just a matter of like, oh, will they be able to 
double team Juju now that Antonio Brown is away. Well, Juju is a true one. He is right. truly good enough to be doubled and come out the other end and laugh in your face. Tyler Boyd is a great two, but he's not a one. And so if you're double teaming him, which the their offense allows a defense to get away with, you know, it, it, it could be rough sledding in a lot of these matchups. All right. Hey, I'm 100% with you. That's what I basically said, is it nobody else? So, yeah, especially I, I wouldn't even consider that against most teams, let alone in Seattle, as you mentioned. All right, so last one before we get you out of here. There has been two camps. It's either camp you like Darius Geis or camp you don't like Darius Geis, but it seems that the first camp is starting to fill up. And for everybody that's been listening to this podcast and has ever followed me, I, everybody knows I'm Team Darius, guys. Uh, for everybody out there, for context, in case you're coming from Jason's side, which, like I said, is probably a heck of a lot of you because this is footballers and they are great people. Uh, I have always said that Darius Geis is the more talented of the running backs that came from LSU, that being the guy he replaced in Leonard Fournette. Also an offense that doesn't throw to the running back, so they are better pass catchers than you realize. And Darius Geis, for comparison's sake, Dalvin Cook is about a month ahead, actually a month and a half ahead of where Dalvin Cook was last year. So instead of waiting until week eight or nine, it should be by the end of this month that he's 100%. Now, there's the counter-argument, Jason. There's the counter-argument that the offensive line is terrible. There's the counter-argument that Adrian Peterson wasn't brought back to just sit on the bench, similar to LaShawn McCoy, and Chris Thompson is going to be involved in the passing game. You hear from Jay Gruden saying that Darius Geis is good enough to be used in all three downs. And I bring up this counter-argument to the counter-argument, Jason. So I'm putting all this out here to see where you stand. My counter-argument to the counter-argument is Saquon Barkley was behind a terrible offensive line last year in a bottom half of the league offense. Now, I'm not saying Darius Geis is Saquon Barkley because Saquon Barkley finishes RB2. But when I put Darius Geis at RB24, that's 22 spots behind him, and he barely has to be an RB2 for me to be right. I think Darius Geis is going to be a nice value if you're patient for the first two or three weeks. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's, a, it's a great speech. Um, maybe you're right that he was better than Leonard Fournette. You know, that's an argument that pretty much doesn't matter anymore. Now, when you say he's a month and a half ahead of, you know, Dalvin Cook's schedule last year, is that just based upon when they got injured? Yes. Because I don't remember Dalvin Cook having a very serious uh, recovery timeline with multiple uh, times when the infection kept spreading. And, yeah, I mean, he's... he's no, he, but he has setbacks of his own. Yeah, but now, I mean, Darius Geis had major significant setbacks. Now, I will say this. I've been on the on the anti-Darius Geis side. Uh, my cohort, Mike Wright, is pro-Darius Geis. He's, he's on your side of the fence. So we've had these debates. My belief is this. I don't believe he's a great pass catcher. In fact, I know he's not a great pass catcher. Yes, LSU good, does good. not. Uh, I, said, I didn't say great. I said good. Sure. I think <laughs> he is an average to below average pass catcher. Oh. LSU does not use their back, so it is 100% possible that a back can come from LSU and be a better pass catcher than what they're projected as. However, that also means that that's years where they're not developing that skill, harnessing that skill, and now he goes to a team that really does not use a three-down back in that system. They've always brought in a Chris Thompson. You know, Adrian Peterson had a thousand yards for them last year, but still wasn't that fantasy relevant. This is a team that I don't expect to score a lot of touchdowns. So if he's not the pass catching back, which if you bring up Saquon on a bad offensive line, a bad team, he's he's one of the best pass catching backs in modern day history. Like he is an elite right. pass catcher. Darius Geis, no, but he only has to have one third of that. When he was targeted this preseason, you see a player that 
he has that pause. You know, he's, he, 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 he stops, he corrals that ball, he catches it, he gets going again. That's not a pass catching back. That's not someone that you can use in stride hit who just effortlessly, thoughtlessly grabs the ball and keeps running like a Saquon Barkley. So you've got the injury concern for me. You've got the offensive line concern. You've got the actual team, the scoring, the, the, the poor game script concern, the pass catching. I mean, it, it's just one of those things where it's like, could everything go right? where Darius Geis is used uh, as a three-down back, does catch the ball. The Washington Redskins surprise everybody. The offensive line plays better than they thought. It so, doesn't even have to. Yeah, well, uh, that's where we <laughs> so, agree. So, so, so basically, you're, so this is what, you're, basically, you're telling me that Geis is wrong, bitch. Is that, that's what you're saying, right? I am saying Geis right now. I, right, so, I might have him a little too low, but he right now in half-point scoring is my running back 35. Friendly bet. So we got to figure out something. Maybe if I ever make it out to Arizona, or if you guys ever come out to hey, the top, East Coast, top twenty. You you think he's no, great? I was gonna say I was, no. I said twenty four. So twenty four point five. Well, but you're making it a bet. I mean, you're you're wanting yeah. to say you're wanting to say I know he's gonna be better than that. You can't just say well that's where he needs to finish. Top twenty. You're no, saying no, 20, that's an RB have, too. No, I see I, exactly. How confident you are. I have him at RB24. I'm not leapfrogging. The guys I have at 22, 23, and 24, like, I like them. If you want to hear it, I'll even give you. Here's a peek behind the curtain, everybody, for the uh, you don't have to check the link and complain about, hey, why am I charging prices when it's not even me charging. But I have Sony Michelle, Mark Ingram, Derek Henry, and Aaron Jones. I'm not leapfrogging those guys. There's no way on earth I'm leapfrogging those guys. So and neither is Derek Henry. Derek Henry? You mean Derek's guys? Yes, I do. But, but, <laughs> so 24 and a half if he finishes below that you win if he finishes above that i win we'll and take 24 so if he's top 23 you win if he's top if he's outside the top 24 so, if he's 20, 25 so high, 23 and a half we push all right, it 20, all right 23 and a half and he has to play 14 games that you like no no no, no 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 see here's the deal i am this is the thing the injury concern is a major part of why i don't believe that that's why I'm out. I have Darius guys in exactly zero leagues. And a major reason is the injury concern. He's coming okay, off. Okay, fine. All right. There you go. Fine. Then the deal. We're, so, we're done. Well, a so, friendly. Churros? Churros on you. Okay. Fair enough. Jason, I'm sure everybody knows because everybody and their brother is following you guys. And if they're not, I don't know what the hell their problem is. And they definitely should be. You're at Jason FFL. But Tell everybody what you got. Maybe if you want to give your schedule of your podcast, like what you got coming out every single week, your whatever it might be, your draft sure. kit. That's it's. I mean, it's kind of too late at this point, but just pimp yourself, man. Yeah, I mean, we, look, we we do this year round, nonstop. Uh, we do have our draft kit, ultimatedraftkit.com. If you still have a a draft left to go, um, otherwise, you know, in season we we put a lot of work into the accuracy of our rankings. You could check everything out at the fantasyfootballers.com. We have, uh, you know, premium access at jointhefoot.com to get, you know, higher quality tools and, and more in-depth ranking and all that stuff. But you can, you can find the portal to everything, the podcast, which we record every single day. You can get it everywhere you get podcasts uh, at thefantasyfootballers.com. Yeah, and speaking of the accuracy, for everybody out there, Jason, edge me out by a smidgen. He was ninth mm. last year. I was 10th. Kudos to Jason. Actually, kudos to all you guys, even Mike Wright, who's 19th. You, all three of you are in the top 20. That, that's a hell of an impressive. That's, that's impressive, guys. 
Thank you. We, we work hard on things behind the scenes here. We, you know, we have an entertaining show. We always goof around, have a lot of fun because the whole point of fantasy is to enjoy it. It's a game. We're all doing it for fun. Um, and sometimes people think like, oh yeah, those guys are entertaining, but they, you know, they, they probably don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> then we can point to the numbers and be like, no, we put a lot, you know, we do all the nerdy spreadsheet, deep diving work, the, all the math and analytics and algorithms behind the scenes here too. We just don't give all of that boring stuff on our podcast. <laughs> we come with the, you know, we put, we put in the work, we make the batter, we bake it. All we deliver up is the delicious cake. Yes. And then yeah, they, you just gobble it up and get fat. Mm. I can do that. (laughs) Churro cake. Go get the Crave cereal. Trust me. You're going to just right out of the box. Just eat it. it. So delicious. At Jason FFL, as I mentioned, one of the best. I hope you guys are following him. I'll be back next week, as always, once a week on this, but you can check out the other podcasts I obviously have going on over at The Athletic. Again, slash all in sports, 40% off. And make sure, even before you do that, make sure you're following the footballers. They have so many people, but they deserve even more. They're, They're one of the best. So I'll see you guys next time. Thanks, as always. 